Chapter Ten and Conclusion of the Sad Fortunes of the Reverend Amos Barton from Scenes of Clerical Life by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Ten. At length the dreaded week was come when Amos and his children must leave Shepperton. There was general regret among the parishioners at his departure not that any one of them thought his spiritual gifts preeminent or was conscious of great edification from his ministry but his recent troubles had called out their better sympathies and that is always a source of love amos failed to touch the spring of goodness by his sermons but he touched it effectually by his sorrows and there was now a real bond between him and his flock my heart aches for them poor motherless children said mrs hackett to her husband a going among strangers and into a nasty town where there's no good victuals to be had and you must pay dear to get baddens mrs hackett had a vague notion of a town life as a combination of dirty backyards measly pork and dingy linen the same sort of sympathy was strong among the poorer class of parishioners old stiff-jointed mr tozer who was still able to earn a little by gardening jobs stopped mrs cramp the charwoman on her way home from the vicarage where she had been helping nanny to pack up the day before the departure and inquired very particularly into mr barton's prospects ah poor mon he was heard to say i'm sorry foreign he hadn't much here but he'll be wuss off dear half a loaf's better nor ne'er on the sad good-byes had all been said before that last evening and after all the packing was done and all the arrangements were made amos felt the oppression of that blank interval in which one has nothing left to think of but the dreary future the separation from the loved and familiar and the chilling entrance on the new and strange in every parting there is an image of death soon after ten o'clock when he had sent nanny to bed that she might have a good night's rest before the fatigues of the morrow he stole softly out to pay a last visit to milly's grave it was a moonless night but the sky was thick with stars and their light was enough to show that the grass had grown long on the grave and that there was a tombstone telling in bright letters on a dark ground that beneath were deposited the remains of amelia the beloved wife of amos barton who died in the thirty-fifth year of her age leaving a husband and six children to lament her loss the final words of the inscription were thy will be done the husband was now advancing towards the dear mound from which he was so soon to be parted perhaps for ever he stood a few minutes reading over and over again the words on the tombstone as if to assure himself that all the happy and unhappy past was a reality for love is frightened at the intervals of insensibility and callousness that encroach by little and little on the dominion of grief and it makes efforts to recall the keenness of the first anguish gradually as his eye dwelt on the words amelia the beloved wife the waves of feeling swelled within his soul and he threw himself on the grave clasping it with his arms and kissing the cold turf milly milly dost thou hear me i didn't love thee enough 
I wasn't tender enough to thee, but I think of it all now. The sobs came and choked his utterance, and the warm tears fell. Conclusion Only once again in his life has Amos Barton visited Milly's grave. It was in the calm and softened light of an autumnal afternoon, and he was not alone. He held on his arm a young woman with a sweet, grave face, which strongly recalled the expression of Mrs. Barton's, but was less lovely in form and color. She was about thirty, but there were some premature lines round her mouth and eyes which told of early anxiety. Amos himself was much changed. His thin circlet of hair was nearly white, and his walk was no longer firm and upright. But his glance was calm and even cheerful, and his neat linen told of a woman's care. Milly did not take all her love from the earth when she died. She had left some of it in Patty's heart. All the other children were now grown up and had gone their several ways. Dicky, you will be glad to hear, had shown remarkable talents as an engineer. His cheeks are still ruddy, in spite of mixed mathematics, and his eyes are still large and blue, but in other respects his person would present no marks of identification for his friend Mrs. Hackett if she were to see him, especially now that her eyes must be grown very dim with the wear of more than twenty additional years. He is nearly six feet high and has a proportionately broad chest. He wears spectacles and rubs his large white hands through a mass of shaggy brown hair. But I am sure you have no doubt that Mr. Richard Barton is a thoroughly good fellow, as well as a man of talent, and you will be glad any day to shake hands with him, for his own sake, as well as his mother's. Patty, alone, remains by her father's side and makes the evening sunshine of his life. End of chapter 10 and conclusion of The Sad Fortunes of the Reverend Amos Barton